I am sitting outside of a CVS parked waiting for my COVID test results because I have a little bit of a cough and I'm feeling super anxious about possibly having COVID only because, well, not only because, of course, there's anxiety around COVID, but especially today. Today is my mom's last day of chemo treatment. It's a super exciting day. We're going to have balloons and champagne and an amazing video and people, and it's gonna be awesome. And I will be so sad if I can't be there. So fingers crossed that I get good results. I'm hoping that this cough is just from allergies. I don't know, we'll see. <laughs> but I thought that the, I have wanted to do this for a while, just record on my phone and see what happens and maybe put it on the podcast, maybe not. Oftentimes when I'm doing a podcast for Unpack the Pursuit. I am sitting down, I am prepared, I have an outline, I have my microphone and my headphones and a quiet space and it's all so prepared. And I wonder what would happen if I just didn't prepare so much and I just wanted to talk about something that I wanted to talk about. Specifically, while I'm waiting here and have 30 minutes of not really doing anything, I wanted to talk about this newsletter that I receive. And I can't remember how I stumbled upon this newsletter I'm sure the word newsletter to most of you is like, ugh, newsletters, there are no good newsletters. But I'm here to tell you that there is, and it's this one. Actually, I have a couple, but this one I'm going to focus on today is Words of Women by Lauren Martin. I will try, I think, okay, her email is lauren at wordsofwomen.com. So I'm assuming you can sign up for this newsletter at wordsofwomen.com. I don't know much about this woman, Lauren Martin, who writes this newsletter, and I don't read all of them, but whenever I do have a moment and I really do read her words, she sounds like a friend of mine. Like, not really a friend I have right now in this moment, but but maybe a friend that I would like to have. She She sounds so real to me, and like, I f- the way that people write externally facing things it's hard to write that way. You know, some, it's easier when you're writing a novel or a memoir or, I mean, an easier maybe isn't the right word, but it, perhaps it comes out more naturally because you're writing, the writing process is so intimate and you're really the only one reading it for so long until maybe one day it gets published. But for a newsletter in which you are proactively sending that out to thousands of people, whatever, you know, you're writing for someone else. You're writing for you, hopefully, but you're also writing for all the audience members you're sending it to. And I think in that sense, it's really hard to write authentically, but that's what I really appreciate about her. Each newsletter is different and has sort of a theme or an anecdote from her life that she writes about and then supports with quotes or different things about different women over time. And I really wanted to talk about a couple of things that she's shared recently. I'm actually going to read it verbatim because it's that good. <laughs> and for me to try and <laughs> to try and I don't know, give it my own spin would be complete injustice to this work of art. So, let me begin. I want to live beautifully every day. I want to endeavor to make the most of everything, to enjoy my present circumstances, to realize that this right here right now is my life. Not tomorrow, not when I have more money or a better job or more prestige. My life is happening in this moment and I can choose to live in it as beautifully as possible or I can miss it. And when I say live in it, I mean live in it. 
make it beautiful. Set the table in your good china, dress up in your favorite outfit, pretend you're a cat, build a fort, make a beautiful chocolate decorated in edible flowers and serve it to your family. Go to work, but do it with excitement. Remember that you can work, that you're making your own money, building your name, then finish work and be done with it. Make a fancy cocktail, make your bed, paint your nails different colors, look at your life like you're the star and this is your one big role. Anyway, that's my goal this week. I hope I've inspired you to make it yours, to look around your life and endeavor to make it beautiful. I think I love that so much because I've, it's something I feel is just so hard to do, even when you believe it so deeply that the present moment is where you should be. It is so difficult. And I think about all of the times I pick up my phone to enter a cyber universe when there is a person directly in front of me and how absurd that social norm and that behavior is. And I do it often and so do you and we all do it. So it's no one's fault, but it's it's a mechanism of taking you out of the present moment. I think about sitting on a train or sitting in a bar or being by myself and how if I don't have the comfort of my phone or the comfort of a book or the comfort of something that I feel so at a loss and how unfortunate that is because what is the opportunity that you're missing in that moment if you just lift your head up and look and talk to the person next to you or don't talk or just observe or just listen. And I really wonder about those things. And just this past weekend, I was visiting a friend in Boulder. We went on a hike near Dillon and Frisco and it was a stunning hike. It was early evening, so just before the sun went down, which is my favorite time of day. And it was so quiet and the trail wasn't very busy. I think we saw maybe two or three people the entire time. And it was a steep hike, so your heart rate got up, but it was a short hike. It was like three and a half miles round trip. And it was perfect. The mountains in the distance and the crunch of the rocks beneath my feet and even just the whistling of the leaves in the tree. Like when it's just that, no one's talking and there's no music and there's no sign of civilization anywhere except perhaps an, an overhead plane or maybe some cars driving. But even then, if those can be removed, it is really the most serene feeling of just being in the middle of nowhere, listening to what middle of nowhere sounds like. And in those moments, I really do feel that is why being present is so important to me. Like I won't always be able to get there in that feeling, but I wonder what that would feel like to like, and follow me here. I don't know. I might be losing you now. When you're sitting across the table from somebody and you are fully enveloped in everything they're saying, whether you believe it, whether you agree with it, whether you care or not, but you're so invested in what they're saying that it's similar to how it feels when you're in the mountains and you're listening to all of the sounds and that's all you hear and you're there. I'm going to work on that. <laughs> I'm not very good at it. I've actually noticed more so lately than not that I am somewhere else mentally when somebody's talking to me. So I think for the next few weeks, that's going to be my goal is to really be here in the now, in the moment and listen and hear and process and understand what's happening to me in the moment rather than being somewhere else. Um, so TBD on how that goes. Another 
newsletter she sent that I wanted to talk about um, is about work, which I feel is also relevant for me right now. I feel like I've been working a lot. I've been stressed about work lately. And so this really spoke to me. She said, I've been a little stressed about work lately. I woke up Sunday morning at 5 a.m. to what I believe was a small panic attack. My heart was racing. My mind had gone dark and I couldn't breathe right. A few hours passed and I calmed down, but the rest of the day I couldn't shake this feeling of dread. I think it's because last week wasn't great. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. And great is what I'm always striving for. I'm always nervous I'm letting someone down all of the time. My boss, my colleague, my company. It's also because I have this Monday morning meeting every week and it's been over a year and a half and I still get nervous for it. My voice shakes, my nerves spike. And when it's my turn to talk, I feel like a little girl. But why? Because I always feel like what I have to say isn't good enough. Because I'm the only female in the group. Because I'm younger and newer and out of my league. But shouldn't these things make me more confident? Shouldn't I see them as reasons I'm an asset? Wow, okay. What, what I love about this is I, if you are a woman in the workforce, especially if you are more green in your particular role or in comparison to the people around you, I know you felt this. Like when she talks about feeling like a little girl when it's her turn to talk, I wish I could pull out all of the moments in my life in which I felt that way and show them to you right now. And honestly, it would take years to get through all of the memories. <laughs> That's how many times I've felt that way. And yet she makes the absolute perfect counterpoint that these things, these things that make us, uh, that may, these things like being the only female in the group, being newer and younger and out of your league, those are the exact type of things that should make you confident, that should be reasons that you see yourself as an asset, as a contributor, as value. And the fact that we are so, there is this barrier of getting there is so fucking shitty. <laughs> I think all of us as women, especially younger women in the work, I mean, no, whoa, I take that back. Like, not just younger women. I see this in my mom even and, and in my the older women I admire. We all do this to ourselves. I think about um, my mentor and uh, someone who was my boss once at a previous company I worked at. And um, she got a chief marketing officer role at a company after we were both laid off at the company we worked at because of COVID. She downplayed the fact that it was a CMO role because it was a nonprofit, because it wasn't a big tech company like we were used to working for. And I remember telling her, don't downplay it. Her mentors told her not to downplay it. And yet when I was recently promoted, I did the same exact thing to her. I said the same, I had the same exact mentality. I said, oh, you know, it's a promotion. That's great. But I work for a small company, so it's not it's not that great. <laughs> and sh her response was the same to me. Like, don't downplay it. Why would you downplay your accomplishments? You know, why would you make yourself, why would you make yourself feel small? There's plenty of people making us feel small all of the time, every single day. You, you can't do that to yourself. And so if you need to hear this today, you are good enough. What you have to say is good enough. And if you still get nervous in those meetings and your voice still shakes, if you cry sometimes, if you get emotional, that's also okay. You don't have to be confident all of the time, but you should see yourself as confident, as a confident human. I hope you have a wonderful day. This is kind of an interesting experiment. I don't know if I'm gonna post it or not. It's only been 13 minutes. I feel like that's, you know, a nice little tidbit. 
it has been two weeks since I last recorded that previous bit. And still on the topic of women and work, I've got more thoughts brewing in my head. I was thinking the other day about this letter that I sent my mom when I was like 11. And I'm totally making that up because I have zero recollection of almost anything in my childhood. So I have no idea when this actually took place, but it was a letter. I was young. I think I must've been like when peewee football was happening. So whatever age that is, maybe that's way younger than 11. I have no idea. But I wrote this letter to my mom and when I reread it many years later, when I was living in Los Angeles, I had just gotten my appendix taken out and I was like, going through my mom's old laptop documents and found this on her computer. I think the title of the document was Crisis or Molly in Crisis or something. I don't know if I saved it as such or if my mother did, but it was a letter I wrote my mom and this is what it said. Mom, this isn't fair. Dad said I can't play football, right? And do you know why? Because he doesn't think I'll like it. And do you know why he doesn't think I'll like it? Because he thinks I'm not strong enough to play. So he won't let me try a new sport and he says I have to stick to soccer. What if I want to switch to basketball and not soccer? He won't let me. You better talk to him and tell him I can do anything I wish unless you think the same thing. Do you know what he said? He said, I don't want my baby girl getting smashed by big guys. And I'm like, what about Patrick? And he said, he's a boy, there's a difference. And I don't even wanna know what the difference is because it will just make me cry even more. I hate it. That's not fair to me. So in other words, he's saying boys are stronger than girls and girls can't play football. Well, that's plain beep. I hate it, mom. It makes me feel like crap. Patrick is not stronger than me. And plus, I should be able to decide what I want to, not what you or he wants. It's not his beep life. It's mine. (laughs) When I put the beeps, by the way, I'm not actually swearing in this letter to my mom, but I, I use all these crazy, like, different symbols, like not text symbols or not even at signs, like, you might normally see, but like random symbols that I can't even explain. Like one looks like a carrot top. One looks like a cross. One is like a a copyright symbol. Like I clearly like didn't know how to express a swear word. Reading this letter was like eye-opening for me because never in my life had I considered myself to be an inherent feminist. And what I mean by that is not that I was actively like, oh no, I'm not a feminist. It was more so I felt like I couldn't claim that word because I was never like aware enough of what was happening around me and that I was in this world of gender inequality and that all, whatever. I just wasn't as aware in the same way that some people are just aware. Like they just are able to understand how shit works and notice what's happening around them. And I feel like if you know me at all, you know, I'm not a super observant person. And so I, it, it didn't come naturally to me noticing injustices in the world, whether it's gender or race or whatever, I'll be straight up. Like it doesn't, didn't come naturally to me as a kid. And that goes hand in hand with privilege and just how I grew up and my background, but that wasn't whatever, that just wasn't who I was. And so it it took a lot of education. Anyway, all of that is to say, I never considered myself a mini feminist, like growing up, knowing, you know, how to be a badass woman in the world until I read this piece. I was like, oh my God, there was a mini feminist in there. She was hiding kind of, she didn't really know how to come out. But like this letter for sure was a mini feminist trying to crawl out, right? I'm like trying to tell off my dad through this letter to my mom. I wanted to play football. I didn't like that, like 
because of my gender, I couldn't play. I was like, what the hell? So I don't know. It like made me be a little bit gentler to my younger self. It made me be a little bit kinder to her and just be like, quick pat on the back. Like, good for, good for you. But I share this story with you. You're probably like, what the fuck does this have to do with women at the wor- in the workplace? But I share this story because I actually shared this letter at a storytelling event I went to recently, which quick side note, but if you are uh, a creative and you like sharing stories and you like writing stories and you don't have a storytelling event that you go to on the reg, I, I must implore you to do that because it is like the best thing. I did find a virtual storytelling uh, series, Wolf and Heron, shout out. I'll link their website in the show notes so that you can join us if you want. It's, I think it's like every other Friday and the story themes and topics range, but it's just such a release. So quick caveat, but back to the main point I told, I shared this letter at a storytelling event in which the theme was when had a real life moment in your personal life taught you something or impacted you in your work life. So when were you able to ever pull something from your personal life, your personal experience, and it helped you in the workplace? And I shared this story, this letter rather, because this letter is something I always go back to when I need like a little bit extra strength. When I'm like, I'm not feeling confident. I'm not feeling good. I'm not feeling like I can show up fully in whatever space I'm in. I channel this little girl in this letter and I'm like, you got to find her. You got to find her again. And this letter helps me. It doesn't necessarily mean I always show up the way I want to. Like, fuck no, I still have a long, long way to go. But it does help in terms of trying to channel an energy when I'm feeling like a lack of energy, if that makes sense. And so I use this as an example because you know, I've had experiences in the workplace where, you know, whether it's because I'm a woman or not, I'm, I struggle. I just struggle to show up confidently. I find myself easily getting quiet in spaces that probably I shouldn't be quiet in. And it's this piece, this letter that I have from like when I was 11 or whatever age that helps me in those moments, try to be a little louder and try to be a little bit more confident, even just like a little tiny smidgen bit. So I don't know what that is for you. I don't know what you have, if, whether it's a memory of a time you stood up to somebody or a letter like this or a journal entry, but find it. Find that piece of you that you can always go back to when you're like, I need to rock this. I need to rock this presentation. I need to rock this meeting with my boss. I need to rock this conversation that's going to really suck. It's good, I think, to have those moments in time, tangible or not, that you can pull on for help. So this could be the beginning of something new, or it could be the end of something new. (laughs) I don't know if I'll ever do one of these rambly voice memo hack it together podcast again. But if I do, um, maybe the way I wrap up this chaotic episode is with a poetry reading. Because why not? Because I love poems and I love reading poems and it's just a nice way to tie it all together. I want to read this poem that my friend recently um, 
she didn't actually read it. She performed it. She memorized this poem. And it's a poem that I think it's her favorite poem. I don't want to speak for her page. I'm sorry if this is not your favorite poem, but I think it is one of her favorites. I mean, she does, she did memorize it. And we were at this windmill bar in St. John, and which is a beautiful, beautiful view of the Virgin Islands. And it was sunset and it was beautiful. And we had a full table of friends and drinks And we were answering these questions that she was answering so vibrantly and funny and clever. And when she performed this poem, I just was like, wow, I I can't love you any more than I do in this moment. The poem is called, This is Just to Say, by William Carlos Williams. I have eaten the plums that were in the icebox, and which you were probably saving for breakfast. Forgive me. They were delicious, so sweet, and so cold. So I was kind of reading a little bit. And what I mean by reading is like skimming and clicking into a few different articles. So like I didn't spend a lot of time on this. But it looks like there are a lot of different ways to analyze this poem, which is also a reason why I love poetry. Some people might, this might be the reason why people hate poetry is all the analysis that goes into a poem and so many different perspectives that people have. I think the most important thing for me is just knowing that no analysis is right or wrong. I mean, anyone can read a poem and they're going to perceive it from their own perspective, through their own experience, through their own lens. And I think that's pretty cool. But I think the analysis that my friend Paige has of this poem is similar to the one that I'm going to read right now. This is just an excerpt from a woman named Janice Michelson. This is just to say has more depth and beauty if one recognizes the sexual symbolism of the plums. In my view, the poem is about sex in a loving long-term relationship. The casualness of the phrase, this is just to say, is a charming light segue into the man's sharing of his deep loving feelings for the woman. The man had sex the night before with his beloved, her plums were luscious. Plums are soft, juicy, and sweet. They conjure up the image of her area of sexual excitement. She was reluctant and was probably saving her plums for breakfast. That is, she would have wanted sex with him another time, but soon. Nevertheless, he wants her to know that he relished every moment of the encounter. The man hopes that the woman will understand his impatience. Thus, he uses the phrase, not to be taken too literally by her or by us, forgive me. She should understand that she is so desirable to him, so delicious, that he could not resist, could not wait. So yeah, I don't know, take it what you will, but I think that's kind of a really cool way to look at it. And I love that freaking poem. And shout out to Paige for performing it so lovingly. I wish I could remember why that got brought up. Paige, if you're out there, remind me why you performed that poem. Because I think it was a really clever answer to a question. Okay, until next time.